Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Game's premier podcasting trio. My name is J.W. Crewall, and I'm joined today by my good friend, Andrew Mahone. Andrew, how are you doing today? Yo, what's up, J.W.? I'm chilling, having a nice, relaxing week so far. Excited about all of the happenings in the Pokemon TCG world. Rotation was just announced, so we've got some fun stuff to talk about today. New cards as well. It's a uh, it's a fun time in the Pokemon TCG realm where we live. Yeah, it really is. There's just a ton of news that's uh, popped up, and and it's felt like very welcome news because we've been I don't want to say stuck in this format because I have actually found that this format's been a lot of fun. I have hyped it up a lot. Like it's I found this to be a very fun format. So I hate to say stuck in this format, but uh, certainly it feels like we're we're dragging on a bit as we enter into uh, the new year still in this format with a number of tournaments left to go in, uh, in, in the current current state of the game. So it's great to hear that there's something new on the horizon. We obviously are going to be talking about the new A specs that have been released. There was a new card that I think is maybe one of the best cards ever printed. And we have some cards rotating in April with the rotation that was just announced by Pokemon. We'll take a look at the meta from Portland and what's to come. So sound like a good episode? Sounds great to me, JW. How you doing real quick before we get going? Hey, Dude, you I'm, I'm you doing, doing great. I, you know, I, I say I'm, I, I'm like feeling there's a weight off my shoulders right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I have a very, I have a lot of free time in my day right now. Because you're uh, a fun employed. I am as of Monday. <laughs> Holy smokes. <laughs> Is that a, a decision that you made or maybe someone at your Someone place else of maybe made the decision on my behalf, but uh, no, as a consulting company, um, the pipelines are not looking so good. Yeah. in terms of incoming work just and i yeah. think uh you know a lot of companies have been scaling back and so you know everyone that i uh had talked to um you know even months ago when i was really feeling like kind of down about the job in general it was like you know there's not a lot of work right now there's not a lot of work right now and that's basically more or less the reason that they gave uh for letting me go on monday so i mean the Gee, throes man. of uh, it's you know it is what it is thank goodness for new horizons programs yeah. New Horizons, yeah. I was thinking about um, setting up camp at your house and and uh, you're always welcome. You know, running running yeah. um, you know eight hours of GLC on the street. There we go. There that what a <laughs> blessing that would be. My goodness. Well, yes, yes. I can offer very competitive rates when it comes to paying tabletop gamers. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm one of the best in Akron, actually. <laughs> oh, really? Wow, well that's uh, yeah. that's good to hear. <laughs> but well, uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, mean I, I th things things are going okay. I've been you know reaching out to some recruiters and I got to good. have some you know interviews and things lined up. So uh, good, getting on that train. Well, but head, head up, head up. Head oh up. yeah, no, for you. And I, I appreciate you'll be that. Just fine. Yeah, I think so. You'll be yeah, fine. it's a it's actually kind of a nice time because I get a little extra time with Harper and Anne. I'm just around the house fixing up some st stuff and you know. We get to go. To, we went to the library the other day. Little story time action that I never get to. Oh, do, how fun! So it yeah, is really fun. Do, 
There you go. That is that is cool. And yeah. I know you weren't, you know, we'll get on with the episode, but I know you weren't like in love, in love with your position, your job. It was kind of a means to an end. So I, they all are really. Well, you know, I want to be retired by 50. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen ever, but it's <laughs> just like, <laughs> that's my goal, right? <laughs> Dude, you are a millennial. <laughs> quit, quit I, your, yes. Get your head out of the clouds. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I'll ask the same question back to you, Andrew. How's how's everything going? Things are going great. I, uh, you know, got to have a pretty chill weekend last weekend. I've been working on my gym leader challenge decks, just kind of getting those all refined, uh, you know, kind of brainstorming just, you know, plans for 2024 you know what yeah. i kind of want to drive my content what kind of things i'd like to produce and you know i've just kind of been having time to brainstorm which has been nice as a as a creative person it feels like i you know for a few months i just i've been kind of just scraping by and now i feel like i've given myself enough space to actually get to be creative and and kind of envision new projects sure. for uh, for the channel so i've Really been, uh, really been liking that, and uh, yeah, and just kind of feel like I have a mental reset now, going into 2024, and uh, gonna be able to kind of come at things with a new, uh, a newfound motivation, which, which I think was much needed for me. So even just I mean, a couple weeks can really do a lot. So that's, uh, that's kind of what I got going on right now. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. That's awesome to hear. Well with the new year brings new beginnings and speaking of new beginnings we have a whole new set a whole new subspecies well i guess a repeat subspecies of card in a specs they're coming back and they look the same in some ways and and they look very different in other ways so the four confirmed a specs that we have if you've been playing as long as we have you'll remember master ball search your deck for any pokemon put it in your hand it was played sparingly like, it wasn't like it was never played, but it's really not one of those A specs when you compare it against the other ones that has any legs. We're also getting Neo Upper Energy, which is a special energy that provides two type of any type of energy. Um, we have the Hero's Cape, which was just recently announced. That gives any Pokemon that the tool is attached to plus 100 HP. And then... The big A spec, the one that everybody's talking about, the one that initially seems the most broken, is Prime Catcher, which is essentially an item reprint of Guzma, which not only switches your opponent's active Pokemon with one of their bench Pokemon, but also switches your active with one of your bench Pokemon. So, of course, the A specs can only be played as a one of, but I think immediately we're seeing that they have some big ideas for what this type of card can bring to the game. So what are your thoughts initially on, on some of the revealed A-Specs here? I think the initial reaction that I've kind of been feeling from the community is that, oh, Prime Catcher, so broken. Oh, it's so broken. What are we going to do? Oh, you know, and uh, and then everything else is just meh. And I think um, Prime Catcher is fine. I don't think that Prime Catcher is even on the power level of many of the other a specs that we saw during the original run in the black and white era keep in mind you know the the power level of trainer cards has really plummeted in recent years uh, you said it yourself this card 
was Guzma. Guzma was just a supporter card that got played as like a four of, <laughs> you know, and most uh, and, and and most of these A specs do things that cannot easily be replicated otherwise, right? Uh, computer search from back in the day uh, was just an insane consistency card. I mean, being able to search out any card in your deck, it's like four sealstone. Even compare, you know, four sealstone is kind of like an insane power level card. It, it reminds me a lot of computer search. Um, mm -hmm. Sure. Way. Dowsing machine also, in my mind, it's kind of like the most powerful A spec that existed. Even something like scramble switch, you could build your whole strategy around being able to pull off a well-timed scramble switch. And we saw scoop up cyclone. I mean, saw some play as well. There were a lot of different A specs that ended up seeing play. And I think that prime catcher, when the dust settles, I feel like we'll kind of end up just being one of the many playable A specs. And I kind of see it in the same light that I see maybe a card like scramble switch or something like that. Like, I, I think it'll be like a B tier A spec. I sus I highly suspect that there's going to be one or two kind of premier A specs that are on a higher power level than prime catcher. I, sure. I think. So. I mean, that's, that's a, yeah, because if they reprint Dowsing Machine, like that immediately, then that was kind of the sneaky answer. I feel like like the the noob answer for A specs was to say the best one was Computer Search, and then I think the like big brain answer was to say the best A spec was Dowsing Machine. Because and I do feel like we saw that throughout the course of those A specs lifetime, where everyone put Computer Search in at the start of those formats, and then slowly by the end of the time the Apex time we were seeing just a lot more dowsing machine and so i wonder if that'll be similar with the new Apex. i mean we obviously are only working with these four and it's very clear from what we've been given that prime catcher is a cut above but as they release more Apex, you figure that they won't stop here at four because they printed about 13 in that first iteration of the Apex mechanic but you kind of figure that the needle will move a little bit in terms of the variety and style of what these a specs can offer exactly i mean some some a specs were just kind of funny and gimmicky or pokemon specific pokemon specific right you had the victini v piece you had the white the curum. curum crystal edge <laughs> you had the black yeah. curum crystal wall uh you had life do which played a part in sableye getting banned from yeah, g scope G scope, G which is like uh, the terrible version of G booster, right? Uh -huh. G booster was was extremely good, but very Pokemon specific. So, I think that you could see some A specs kind of lean into specific types of decks. They certainly did that in the past. Mm -hmm. They could do that again. You could see something like an Electro Power A spec that gives you like a plus fifty, right? Imagine sure. just like a one of or something like that. It's like, okay, you can play this. It makes your lightning Pokemon do, I don't know, 70 more damage this turn. Like, bam. Like, and then your lightning deck is probably going to play that, you know, uh, if it fixes some math. So, yeah, like, right. that's pretty wild. You can, you could Volkner for, or not Volkner, you could uh, Arvin for it, right? Sure, uh, just go sure. get the A spec and just blast something, right? That I could imagine cool. that would be cool. And I could imagine stuff like that happening. Right, mm -hmm. where they kind of like uh, they throw just like a really powerful type specific card in there where, you know, obviously Prime Catcher is going to be like a good kind of vanilla 
I mean, you could imagine any deck playing Prime Catcher, which is part of what makes it so good. But I think there's going to be some pretty uh, serious competition as they release cards specifically designed for certain other cards where it's like, okay, well, they definitely wanted these to be played together. And sure enough, that's going to end up being pretty good as well. Now, we haven't really actually talked about what some of the other ones do. Um, the, uh, the Hero's Cape, right, plus 100. And the Neo Upper Energy is like a double rainbow, but only for stage twos. I think Master Ball is kind of like free Ultra Ball. You just discard the cards, and, you know, then you then you have Master Ball. <laughs> right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's, sure. It's not really that interesting. But uh, JW, do you think that can you can you imagine any uses for Neo Upper Energy or for the Hero's Cape? cards you know is there going to be any excuse to play those well it's really tough to see heroes cape being useful in this current format with the reason being not only do you have tool removal in lost vacuum but you also have a deck that is taking about one-fifth of the metagame share in giratina v-star that has an auto ko attack so in the context of the current format, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, certainly there are some enablers for Heroes Cape. You maybe think initially of something like a, um, you know, I, I'm kind of thinking of like an item locking from the, um, uh, what's that? What's that card? Not the the mm, one item, one energy item lock. Psychic does thirty damage. Oh. No, I was about. thinking Venomoth, man. Oh, well, okay, Venomoth. <laughs> okay, there you go. Sure, sure. Uh, Bennett, Bennett. Okay. So you have Bennett, Venomoth, these types of Pokemon that could really uh, benefit from making it so that your opponent can't play Lost Vacuum. Then you get the 100 HP. Then maybe you can enable it. The other cards that I think of are like something like Cheryl, which of course is rotating, but uh, Charon's Care. You know, again, these, these cards are... are in the current context of the format would be something that I look at to play alongside Heroescape to really get the most amount of use out of the Heroescape in that you could try to recycle it or reuse it multiple times. It's not just kind of like a one of plus hundred, but it would be something that gives your, you know, especially like a V star Pokemon or V max, even that hundred HP over and over and over. Now moving forward, you know, again, where we stand with tool removal, that'll be the big question. If we have no tool removal in the format, then I think Heroes Cape has legs. But as it currently stands, Giratina is just immediately a no. And then you have Lost Vacuum that really, I think, should should put that card to rest. Looking at Neo Upper Energy, it's a very interesting card. I don't love that, of course, it has to be attached to a stage two. So we've seen certain mechanics like this in the past, obviously, but um will this card see play it's very difficult to envision a world where this is better than something like prime catcher or even a master ball if you're looking at stage two decks uh, that are very you know pokemon heavy and need to search those pokemon out at all times so it's tough for me to see neo upper energy being something that sees more play than than you know again even master ball here on this list right for those even thinking decks. about thinking about decks like like Meow Scarada EX, right? Like it could be like a fifth double turbo in those kind of decks. Sure. But do you even need one? No, you know? And uh, it, it just, it, it seems like it'd be unnecessary. Um, I, I do think that 
I like the point you brought up with like the recursion of a specs. Will that be, you know, something that's, that's possible. Um, I saw a tweet of something like, uh, you know, Sander Wachik's out there somewhere excited about Heroes Cape, right? <laughs> As the kind of like typecast control player. Uh, sure. Yeah, Penny you know. is a big enabler, sure. Right. But we you already know. have like Luminous Cape, so Luxurious Or Luxurious Cape, cape I should say. So Well, yeah, but that makes your Pokemon give up an extra prize. I mean, this is just like a better version of that. And True. a, a control deck already has countercatcher. So like Right. So, 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 like, Prime Catcher is just not for a control deck. Does not care about Prime Catcher at all. <laughs> so, uh, so then you're looking at the next thing, and the next thing just is the Hero Escape. The Hero Escape is the control A spec, right? So, in control decks, that will be the premier A spec until something else uh, kind of gets revealed. As was, you know, um, the uh, Life Dude during its time. That was the premier control tool card and of course recurring it was one of the best things you could do with that um to make it so your opponent wasn't taking any uh any prize cards so fun now uh it was i i do think just briefly i think that uh it's gonna be interesting i do find it always kind of funny when you have overlapping gimmicks in the pokemon mm -hmm. tcg uh there's gonna be a year here where we've got v-star powers and A-Specs at the same time. And I feel like that's going to have a little bit of an expanded kind of feel to it. And Radiant Pokemon. Like, and Radiant Pokemon, right? Because um, like in, in Expanded, it just it feels so dirty to use a GX attack and then a V-Star power. And sometimes, because of how broken Expanded is, you can do those in like the same turn. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, and then you also have your A-Spec card. And, and it's like you just have like all the most broken gimmicks that the game has released mm. over the course of the last 10 years. And you're just sure. like, wham, bam, blam. I've got my GX counter and I've mm. got my V-Star counter. And I've got, you know, uh, it's, it's feels like it's going to be a little bit like that with your, with your A-Spec and your, your V-Star counter. I mean, that's, those are two insanely powerful one of things you can force heal stone for your prime catcher and still play a supporter. Like it's pretty wild. <laughs> I force heal stone prime catcher, you know? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Sure, or even, dare I say, judge. Judge, yeah. Judge for a seal stone prime catcher. You're yeah. mad. Yeah, it's um, it's looking fun. I think for for the future uh, with a specs, I always love the one ofs. Granted that they're not, you know, game breaking. I think if we saw, and what do I mean by game breaking? Um, I don't feel at this point that any of the a specs that they've released give the player going first a major advantage and that's where i would think that the a specs could become too broken so if we saw something like a an a spec item that searched your deck for three pokemon that to me feels mm. like the kind of card where if you find it on your first turn you know it like benches you know like a, it was like a bridget but an item form or something you know that's mm -hmm. an a spec so if we had something like that in the game where it really benefited the first player going first, then that to me feels like a bad design for an A spec. These A specs that they've released so far and the A specs that they had released prior have all felt balanced in the sense that they don't overly benefit the player going first. You can make that argument, I guess, for Countercatcher, or sorry, not for counter, for Computer Search, but other than that, I, I really don't see these A specs as being like terribly. Um, 
you know appealing for a player on their first turn or or so much so that they could build up some kind of board advantage that the other player can't come back from so i think overall so far what we've seen good a spec design again hope we see you know 10 20 more like i'd love just a plethora of options when it comes to these a specs because like you're saying there's some that would go really well in certain styles of decks some that are obviously geared toward you know more attacking decks and we should see uh hopefully a little bit more variety and that will aid in in players deck building i agree now speaking of strong item cards that would assist going first we've got a new item card that was just revealed recently buddy poffin kind of coming on the heels of battle vip pass rotating out of standard and we're gonna get a little swaparoo mm -hmm. no more battle vip pass but i think you know players who have never built a deck without battle vip pass of which i think jw there are more than we realize <laughs> yeah probably half and, the audience yeah which is great we, we love you guys for sure but you got to understand for jw and i have been playing for over a decade feels like battle vip pass that just came out <laughs> yeah right right i can't believe we're losing it so soon but yeah, it's like uh... a buddy poffin in my eyes i have a lot to say on buddy poffin i think this is one of the best cards at, like potentially ever released in terms of the balance and how, just how it was created. So we've obviously know, we all know the issues with Battle VIP Pass, where it can make or break a game if you get it on your first turn versus if you don't get it on the first turn. There is a huge advantage for the player that finds a Battle VIP Pass on their first turn versus the player that doesn't. And Buddy Poffin solves a lot of the issues with Battle VIP Pass. So the other issue that I have with Battle VIP Pass is that there is a general, I mean, it's uncapped, so you can get any Pokemon. And so you think about the styles of decks where one player is going to battle VIP pass for some big Pokemon V, and then the other player is going to battle VIP pass for some 50 HP Gimme Ghoul. And it just doesn't feel the same, right? You have these two... Uh, outcomes from one card that are drastically different and so i think that they tried to make it a little more balanced by saying okay you can only play it on the first turn so maybe the game designers were thinking that not every deck would play this card that it would you know be disadvantageous for a player to play this card if they didn't hit it on the first turn um, but in any case they've solved a lot of the issues with battle vip pass by forcing it so that you can you can only get Pokemon under 70 HP, 70 HP or less. So it's going to really aid those setup decks. And you don't have to play it just on that first turn. So if you have a lackluster first turn and your opponent goes and they pop off, you still have a chance to get back into the game on your second turn after you can play that supporter, after you can find a Buddy Poffin and draw some cards. So I really like the way that Buddy Poffin is designed. And, and of course it benefits the setup decks, but you know, the things like Gardevoir, the things like Charizard, those, those kinds of decks that we should still see uh, post rotation. And it, it definitely is uh, you know, a card that I feel like is much more balanced than battle VIP pass. I agree. Even if you look at the applications of Buddy Poffin for a deck like lost box, right. Uh, and lost box is certainly one of the decks that really loved battle vip pass 
Buddy Poffin can go search out your confis, but it can't get your Radiant Greninja. It can't get your Cramorant. And it's not going to be able to do everything, which is exactly what Battle VIP Pass did. If you strung together two Battle VIP Pass on your first turn, there was a lot of times like nobody's stopping you. You've thinned these bad cards out of your deck and you have an explosive board setup. Whereas if you went first with Battle VIP Pass and maybe you just didn't happen to have one of your four Battle VIP Pass in your hand and you start like Lone Charmander Pass and your opponent goes Battle VIP Pass, Battle VIP Pass, you know, uh, Iono, and you get Ionoed into two Battle VIP Pass, and you're sitting there like, I lost for sure, because now I've got these two dead cards that I just couldn't play on the first turn going first, and now I have them, and now I can't play them. And now, you know, I'm just sitting here doing nothing because I've got these dead cards that I have to play because of the velocity of the format. And I have to play these cards in order to be competitive because everybody else is playing these cards. Everybody else is having these explosive setups and kind of rolling the die and giving themselves the chance to have that kind of uh, that all-star setup on the first turn of the game. So I also have to do that. Uh, and that's part of what I loathed about Battle VIP Pass is that it rewarded uh, drawing into them and, and getting an explosive setup, but in no way contributed to good, healthy, mid-to-late-game comebacks. When I first read Battle VIP Pass, I was like, this card is terrible, because everything that I had learned about playing the Pokemon TCG up until this point did not, you know, kind of support this card being good, because everything I'd learned about the Pokemon TCG up until this point is that it's a six-prize game. You need to work through not just the opening, but also the mid and the late game, right? And Battle VIP Pass kind of undid all of that logic. You can have dead cards in your deck at the end of the game. Nothing matters. All that matters is the explosive setup, and then you set up checkmates, and then and then you win, <laughs> right? Yeah. And that's just and that's just it. So I uh, I definitely am very pleased to see Battle VIP Pass go. I think Buddy Poffin. Um, I kind of agree with your take. It is I think one of the strongest items ever printed, and yeah. uh, for for setup decks, you know certainly it's going to be a huge boon. But I think that the the most interesting thing in my mind is about what Buddy Poffin can't do and uh, the restrictions that it has, at, unlike Battle VIP Pass. So it is kind of like a step back. I was joking on stream. There are people who've never built decks without Battle VIP Pass. This is kind of going to ease you down, all right? You're not going to just... Yeah, it's going to be a <laughs> let you down slowly. <laughs> you know? Yeah, we're letting you down slowly. And I like that, you know. Back in my day, we have four Ultra Ball. That was it. And some decks didn't even play all four. <laughs> yeah, man. It is kind of wild to look back at some of those old decks and just realize just how little search and how poor the draw support was. But that's maybe another topic for another podcast. But yeah, I, I really do feel like Buddy Poffin is that card. Like it is that defining card where it it doesn't take it away from anything where it's like if if you find it in the mid or the late game it can be useful it can be sure. a good card at any point in the game but it doesn't over um it, it, it's not an overvalued card on that first turn and it also helps the decks that need it the most because with battle vip pass you played it in turbo decks you played it in your setup decks and anyone had it and it was again these hyper aggressive starts or you just needed it to keep up with the decks that were hyper aggressive if you're playing a more setup based deck and, and so yeah, think about you like know roaring Buddy moon. Is, mm -hmm. yeah think about like roaring moon you know you you like 
Battle VIP Pass gets you like the Squawk and a Moon. It gets you the Squawk and a Greninja. It gets you, and then you play another Battle VIP Pass, and there's both your Moons. Like, take that out of the equation, and now you've got Nest Ball gets you Squawk or the Moon, and you know it gets right. you the Moon or the Radiant Greninja, and it's just you are gonna see how much more these decks are are kept in line without the freaking battle vip well it's really cool i think that and this is the last thing i'll say on this topic because we we should move on to some of the rotating cards so that that's a huge huge topic but um with buddy poffin we are yeah we're just getting this card that is going to benefit greatly we're seeing a general trend in the setup decks and that's continuing with buddy poffin and i couldn't be more happy because it has felt like we've had this hyper aggressive format for quite a while with the big you know even v maxes where they're you know attacking on that second turn and just doing huge damage and it's really hard to knock these out to more of a setup based deck just you're seeing it with the cards that they're printing and you know things like you know the 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 um you know the gimme ghouls of the world uh, evolving into the uh, whatever you call it the the golden guess gold goldengo the charizards the gardevoirs you know these setup based decks are really going to benefit from this card and that's a great thing for the game because more turns means more possibility to outplay the opponent so really really happy with this card design overall exactly and i think uh yeah perfectly aligned with you on that more turns means more opportunities for your opponent to mess up more opportunities for you to mess up more opportunities for you to play well as well it's just uh you know and that makes a more dynamic game um all in all i don't even yeah i'm not going to get into it but i was going to say you know you get good games if you have a higher frequency of good games you don't even need to play 50 minute best of three anymore it could just be single game swiss we could go it's, back to the glory days baby we could kind of true it's not going down that we're not going down that road yeah, all right yeah. no no rant all right <laughs> let's talk we gotta, about rotation we got to talk about rotation so there's a lot of cards that we're leaving i mean obviously with rotation you're losing like hundreds of cards from the card pool but of course with that there's a number of cards that have stood out to players that have you know maybe made the game more fun or maybe was their pet deck for a long time that they're losing either core pieces to or really the entire deck archetype itself some of those that come to mind are the rapid and fusion strike pokemon so pretty much all of that is i mean all of that is gone uh with this rotation and then the fusion the strike pokemon strike, don't forget what did I say? Single strike and double and rapid strike rapid and oh, fusion strike. Fusion. Yeah. So yeah, all of them okay. are gone. Yeah, yeah. All the Urshfus are all gone. Yeah. 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 All the, the Mews are gone. Genesect, Mew, all that whole engine is gone. I mean, these, these are some Rayquaza of the ones VMAX. that. Um, Rayquaza VMAX is gone. Who's going to tell them? <laughs> Duralodon VMAX. Okay. Duralodon VMAX is gone. Duraladon VMAX is gone. Umbreon VMAX. Yeah. It's gone. Yep. Those are some big, uh, big cards from, from the game's history for sure. So, you know, you look at some of the cards that are leaving where, what hits you the most when you look back at what we're losing. And we've spent, you know, we spent a, you know, kind of a decent chunk of time already talking about battle VIP pass. And I think like battle VIP pass and Mew VMAX are kind of like, they're almost all kind of together, right? Battle VIP Pass came into existence at the same time UV Max did. They were meant to be played together in this same kind of turbo deck. 
and they're going to go bow out together as well. And thank goodness for that. I think uh, a lot of players are kind of over it. I even am. I played Mew for a long time, and I'm even over it uh, and ready for just kind of a new era of the Pokemon TCG. Uh, the cards that I think, you know, but those are kind of like the obvious ones. The cards that I think are the most impactful losses right now, um, aside from those, are like Path to the Peak, which is just kind of like this actually monumental card that really formed the backbone of a lot of strategies over the course of the last couple mm -hmm. years. And there wasn't really any other uh, ability locking card quite like it. So it was the ability locking card and it came in the form of a stadium. In other formats, we've had Garboder. Um, in other formats, we've had Galarian Weezing. In this format, uh, it was Path. Path was this format's Garboder, uh, which is just like an ability you know, negating uh, card. And, uh, you know, it had its counters, but um, but you could always, you know, kind of limit your opponent's hand, put the path into play, and, uh, and get your opponent in a position where they couldn't respond. I do hope that, um, you know, we just saw it. Giratina V-Star just won, you know, the Portland Regional Championships. Uh, John Ang with, the you know, Path to the Peak. And Giratina V-Star, I think the thing that makes that deck so good is that it's one of the best users of path to the peak mm -hmm. in standard right now the other big one is and and we don't know this card could just pop right on back up whenever but as it is right now we're losing escape rope and uh, sure. that's kind of the one that i feel like has got most of um most of the people that i've i've been hearing from kind of like their head spinning like whoa <laughs> You know, uh, you know, what am I going to do with my Iron Valiant deck? You know, 12 switch cards <laughs> isn't nearly enough with four switch card, four switch and four jet energy. Or, you know, like, what am I going to do in my, sure, uh, sure. you know, in my deck that plays rope? Uh, and I feel like a lot of people have really been missing uh, rope or like preemptively missing rope. They're like, dang, I just, my rope. And, uh, you know, I spent, I spent a hundred dollars on my secret rare Escape rope. Gold escape rope. Yeah. <laughs> You're telling me it's leaving? <laughs> that's funny. I mean, I, I think that that's another, um, I, I feel almost like a calculated decision because you think about escape rope and you think about the decks that are setting up that are trying to fill their bench with all these little fellas and they're usually setting active, you know, something like a Mew, which uh, of course is going to rotate. It's also but rotating. Like, but, you know, they're setting active this Pokemon that they're fine with it getting knocked out and they're trying to protect all their little boys on the bench. And so yeah. rope really like plays against that strategy. Right. And while I personally have liked rope ropes generally in all the formats that I've been, that I've played it in, it does feel like a kind of a calculated choice by the game designers where they're again, trying to protect the decks that are looking to set up stage ones or stage twos from the hyper aggressiveness that you know because it, it in some cases especially those early turns a rope is just as good as a, as a boss's orders so oh, yeah. not having that in the format it, I, again is another step a small one toward these setup decks being even more relevant i like that thought a lot i mean even just kind of thinking about in a format with battle vip pass you battle vip pass and you're able to go get a ralts 
and a Radiant Greninja, right? And then the Radiant Greninja, that's your sack, you know? It, mm-hmm. If they go escape rope, you go, all right, you here, take this thing, right? Sure. Uh, just leave my Ralts alone, please. <laughs> but now we've got Buddy Poffin, which mm-hmm. only gets the Ralts, right? So protecting mm-hmm. them is even more of a premium because it's only getting your little guys. Um, and and I do like that thought. I hadn't really that hadn't really crossed my mind, but it's so true. When you're playing against a deck, uh, they usually are able to send up a sack, and then rope is a very powerful play for the aggressive deck. So it does kind of um, limit those just a little bit, and it limits those Iron Valiant decks. And I was making this point on stream. I do not give a dang if your Iron Valiant deck is getting nerfed, okay? Because if there's one thing that I don't like, it's not getting to play the game, and your Iron Valiant doesn't need 16 Switch cards to be able to go boom, 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 donk, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, that that doesn't need to exist. I don't care if it exists. Iron Valiant should exist maybe as a card that can fix math periodically throughout the game. How about that? Like, that's (laughs) fine, okay? But not as this Turbo Donk, Metacham V, also rotating, good riddance, People have been asking me what I think about Metacham V rotating. Good freaking riddance. Do not need that card. Okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. He's got haters. For sure. So, uh, and there's a lot of uh, kind of deep cuts that we're, that we're losing. And as you kind of go through the list, it's not just your heavy hitters. We're also losing cards like Clara and Raihan, which yep. uh, have been kind of staple extra supporters mm-hmm. in in the game and melanie uh which yeah, sure i was making the case that i thought that um that raihan was a more powerful card than melanie to my stream chat and they pointed out to me that melanie has been in way more tournament winning championship top cutting decks than raihan has and i'm like going through it i'm like but raihan's so broken how is it you know how is that true and it just is. You think of it like all the Palkia decks, a lot of the Arceus decks. Mm-hmm. We have even the Rapid Strike decks now, mm-hmm. yeah. all relying on Melanie in a way similar to what we saw Welder was doing, just kind of being that general energy accelerator to get another energy into play so you could perform yeah. an attack. Even in the Vicavolt, the Turbo Vicavolt decks were playing Melanie, right? Well, the tough, thing about, the, enabler. the tough thing about Raihan is that's the card that feels like, you know, we talk about people being born in the wrong decade. Raihan feels like it was born in the wrong format because in the one prize formats of old, Raihan would probably be much more played and would be seen in, you know, championship decks. I mean, that's certainly, if I think about the formats of like pre 2010, I guess, any like single prize format, that card would be crazy where the opponent is taking one prize at a time and you have what five opportunities to play Raihan now with this huge multi-prize format it's so tough when you have to try to disrupt your opponent's hand but then you'd also like the benefits of Raihan it just doesn't really make that much sense again coming back to this kind of hyper aggressiveness of the format so it just feels like Raihan great card have loved it certainly enabled certain strategies in the format to exist but just felt like it was a victim of its circumstances in the sense that if it was a couple decades ago, man, that card I think would be absolutely insane, a staple card, and as it stands, just on the fringes. Well, I think that's that's part of what led me to make that assumption about Raihan just being a better card than Melanie is that I play so much Gym Leader Challenge, and Raihan is in a whole heck of a lot of Gym Leader Challenge decks where your opponent has to take one prize at a time, and getting that extra energy into play 
can be huge just to help you string attackers along. So in Gym Leader Challenge, Raihan kind of lives there peacefully uh, and, and is in a ton, a ton, a ton of decks. Other cards that we are, uh, are going to be losing. All of the V-Unions. That is a, uh, a gimmick that kind of came and went. We only ever really saw Mewtwo V-Union do anything substantial. But it was. Worth noting. Yeah. Uh, did win a regional championship, uh, Piper Lapine, and was a kind of uh, kind of the, the resurgence of control. I mean, uh, mm. after kind of having a little bit of a lull, Mewtwo V Union was that control deck that really kind of took the game by storm. Now we've got Snorlax control. But before that, it was, it was Mewtwo V Union. And then uh, Dragonite V, also going to be rotating. Lost Box uh, is going to be missing that card. Um, not that it was really played too much anymore. I think cards like Roaring Moon have kind of supplanted, um, you know, uh, Dragonite's place in those decks. Kyogre from, uh, from Celebrations is uh, another one, uh, being able to do 250 damage to two-year opponent's bench Pokemon. I'm actually I still... really happy about that. Me too. I think that card is silly. It's basically your opponent's playing a Solitaire deck, and you're just, like, hoping that they can't race to the bottom of their deck in time to, like, do this extremely silly attack to you. Yeah, that card's <laughs> broken for sure. I'm I'm cool seeing that one go. 100%. Yeah, good freaking riddance. <laughs> I still... I never once lost to somebody using that card in paper. Not one time. I'm you a never lost I'm, to somebody playing Kyogre? Never once, no. I never got Kyogre. That's cap. That can't be I'm not right. capping. I'm, I'm serious, bro. That card was so good. I not one In those couple Kyogre. of formats, it was so good. Wow. I That's shocking to me. Even that at is a Worlds, card. I played against two Turbo Lost Zone decks, and neither of them yeah, were playing just, Kyogre. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I can't believe it. Yeah, I've certainly been on my fair share of uh, of Kyogre double snipes to just put me, you know, from a from a great position to losing. You know, I, I'm immediate yeah. loss. Right. It, it's so crazy what that card can do. A couple of um, other no. I mean, I, we're losing what one of my the cards that most dear near and dear to my heart, Flying Pikachu V Max. Not only playing uh, yeah. it at Worlds in 2022, but also playing it in Mew when <laughs> Reggie decks were big. Wasn't you remember that? Playing of that in the I Speed do. Lightning Energy. How fun! That was a fun little little I think it's archetype. A testament to that card's power. Yeah, I mean it, that card. It won an international championship. Azul won. Uh, won Worlds. Uh, you were able to get a Worlds Day Two with it, and. Uh, yeah, and then I started playing it in Mew, and we played it in Mew a little bit, um, you know, just because <laughs> why not? And uh, we're able to beat some Reggie decks with it, uh, just blocking basic Pokemon's attacks. Turns yeah, out it's pretty good. Very fun, very fun. Yeah, and, and of course we're we're losing Mew. I don't know how you feel about this. I'm generally relieved. I think we played Mew for a while in 2023, joking that it was the Mew year, but there were what maybe five tournaments that i brought Mew to five majors four or five something like yeah. that like it, it was a lot it was a significant amount of, of time last year that that um you know our group was on Mew, um and so to see it leave i i don't think i'm necessarily happy i don't think i'm necessarily sad i am just generally relieved because i feel like that deck has consumed so much discourse over its time in the game it's been the constant from the last two or three years 
and it'll be good to just see it go. We've seen, of course, so many counters printed to his Spear Tomb, Drapion, Mighty Ina, Path. You know, I mean, there are just a lot of counters right now to that card, and it still is playable. It still is a high tier archetype. I'm just ready to find something new. I'm ready for something new to emerge. I'm ready for something ex- more exciting uh, to come about and, and just something fresh. So wouldn't say I'm happy, wouldn't say I'm sad. Just more relieved that this card's rotating. I agree. Um, yeah, looking at looking at my page from last season, I day two five events with Mew. Uh, one top 64 and uh, three top 32s and a top 16 like that was i mean yeah it was in for all intents and purposes it was the mu year uh was playing the heck out of that deck and it felt like a a fun kind of fundamentals deck for a little while right i mean you really only had we were playing the double turbo version of mu you got one attack you're using you're either using uh techno black or two attacks techno black blast or psychically i mean and that's it like you were setting up your three prize pokemon and you are using Techno Blast, or you are using Psychic Leap, and then you've got four Power Tablets, and you try to disrupt the heck out of your opponent. It's not a complicated deck. There's just one thing you're doing, and you're trying to just make it so that your opponent can't really respond to your big guy because you're such a consistent lightning fast deck, and you're just bludgeoning your opponent over and over and over again while disrupting their hand, while throwing path to the peak at them. And more or less, that is the strategy that is still being played right now. I mean, that is that is kind of what's happening. I mean, you've got the the fusion variant, which which pops up now and again, but I think that the most popular variant is the double turbo focused version, and I can only really do that for so long. And also, like the most popular deck being Charizard, kind of spooks me out a little bit. Like I'm not, uh, yeah, I'm not super into that <laughs> Roaring Moon. Uh, the fact that there's uh there's the uh, Spear Tomb that you could just plop into a deck. Uh, you know, obviously. They try their hand with Drapion, Mighty Yen. I mean, there's so many different things that the game designers have kind of, like, tossed into the, like, spike strips they've tried to lay for Mew VMAX to just get this thing out of the conversation. And I think the only thing that's truly going to do it in is rotation. So Mm -hmm. thank goodness for that. Uh, It's been a long two years with Mew. I felt like we only kind of came into the adopting Mew situation like maybe halfway through its life and then kind of phased out of it again and then it was still going on and on and on and it seemed like nobody would you know the only thing that's going to stop a Mew player from playing Mew is rotation I think there's at this point it feels like there's just the Mew players and that's all they do is they play Mew some of them got into the game playing Mew and it's all they've ever played and they're gonna have to learn how to do something new thank god (laughs) well it's fun I mean it is it is really fun Right. It's fun to draw cards. It's fun to have these big attacks. It's fun to swing for a single energy uh, and then shuffle that Pokemon right back into the deck. I mean, there's a lot of things about the archetype that that frankly are really fun. And and I don't, uh, you know, I don't belittle. Yeah, I don't belittle anyone for for playing the deck. I mean, we certainly gravitated towards it. I mean, and you got to think like for us, looking back on Mew VMAX's impact in the game, it's one of the best archetypes that's uh, ever been printed. So thank goodness it's over though it's it's finally it we just don't even have the option we don't even have to think about it anymore come i'm so thrilled april so i'm so speaking thrilled. of all those new players the uh 
the uh, the cult of Maridon is is wide open. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Try, come join us. Faster, right. Yeah. Come join us. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Speaking of something that you should come join, we got to talk about our sponsor, Manscaped. If you haven't hopped on the Manscaped train by now, you've heard us talk every week about the products. There's no better time than 2024 to order yourself some Manscaped products, whether it's the ear and nose hair trimmer, whether whether it's some of the, you know, scent-based products, some of the shampoo, uh, conditioner. You got your uh, – they even have, like, perfumes and, and – um, uh, other scents for men so it, it's a great great uh, company that we, we are proud to back for their wide variety of products that we use practically every day i just had my manscaped boxers on the other day so it's something that uh, has really touched our life in many ways um and uh, you know we're excited to again be partnering with manscaped to bring you the best in men's grooming so andrew why don't you tell the people back at home where they can find manscaped products that'll be at manscaped.com you can find a great selection of men's grooming products high quality products that uh that we can uh we can testify for they have uh they've certainly elevated my men's grooming game 20 percent off you will earn if you use the code tag team at checkout and you'll get free shipping with your Manscaped products. That's code tag team at manscaped.com. Awesome. Check it out. Thank you so much to Manscaped for sponsoring the cast. So moving forward with Pokemon, you have a couple of tournaments coming up. I will not be at Charlotte, but it's Mm. projected to be the largest tournament, regional tournament of all time, and clocking in at somewhere over... 2100 players crazy to think about even seniors i just saw this on twitter today seniors for the first time ever are potentially having a day two they have enough players registered for a day two in seniors which has not happened before usually juniors and seniors they they wouldn't play any swiss rounds on that second day it would usually be like a cut to their top eight and so they might have a full nine rounds plus five rounds on sunday and then top cut so it is a grind for anyone uh involved in in charlotte and uh, of course knoxville regionals they have a cap of 1400 masters which that's a whole other topic but um looking back on portland regionals we had um you know garatina finally kind of wins the major uh, it's, it's been sniffing around for a number of weeks and certainly has picked up steam in terms of uh, players that have been uh, playing the archetype, but John Ang faced against Samuel Huff in the finals of Portland. They were both playing Giratina V star decks and really just piloting those decks uh, along with a number of other players to those top finishes. I mean, you look at one, two, ten. 18, 19, 21, all these places at Portland were Giratina V-Star. So certainly taking uh, not only a large share of the meta, but also performing extremely well. Rounding out the rest of the top eight, you had a Fusion Mew deck, you had a Gardevoir deck, you had a Maridon deck, an Arceus deck, a Charizard deck, and a Double Turbo Mew deck. So a lot of variety, a lot of different flavors of decks uh, in that top eight. So just initial thoughts, Andrew, on 
what you saw from Portland in terms of results? Yeah. Well, uh, uh, I predicted that it would be a Tina event. Uh, and I'm happy to see that come to fruition. Major congratulations to John Ang for his first regional win. He's been uh, at it for a while now and has been in, you know, one of those players who I kind of see as someone who is uh, certainly was in line for a regional title. Uh, he had kind of been in, in many top eight situations and is a, a high caliber player who has high caliber testing partners who all are very accomplished as well. And it's just like, okay, you know, he's got what it takes. Um, and he's been working on this, uh, this Tina deck. He's played Tina for, uh, for quite some time. I mean, even when, when Tina first came out, John was one of the earliest adopters of Giratina V-Star. I remember playing against him um, last year around mm -hmm. this time um, when I was playing Mew VMAX, he was playing Giratina V-Star and, and he top eighted events with Giratina V-Star right when the card came out. So uh, he is not a stranger to the Giratina V-Star archetype and it just so happens that the deck is also uh, in a, I'd say a premium meta position right now. So just the perfect time for John Eng to strike. And I think that when you look at, at his kind of tournament results and, and how many times he's played Lost Box and, um, and how many times he's played uh, Giratina, that uh, it's, you know... It makes sense. It, it's, right? it makes sense that it all kind of, uh, it all kind of finally came together. I mean... Yeah, culminated. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah looking at his tournament, he played... He did, he played... Uh, Giratina, Peoria, and Salt Lake uh, last year, then went on, you know, his Lugia stint, then was on, like, a Turbo Lost Box stint, then, you know, his friends convinced him to play Mew VMAX, and then finally, when he pops back to Tina, that's when uh, when he was able to to get the, uh, the win. So, very happy for him. I predicted that Tina would be um, the it deck, just because I think it's the best path to the peak deck, and I think the path to the peak is just a really strong blanket card. Giratina also didn't have the biggest target on his back. Uh, Charizard did. And I think that Tina really benefited from people wanting to beat Charizard uh, and not necessarily thinking about how they were going to beat Giratina. Giratina is just mm -hmm. kind of that deck that, despite it being a powerful deck, a lot of players don't really, uh, don't really, they're like, ah, oh, Tina Pile, right? It's, it's a Pile deck. It's well, but I think, I mean, that's one of the reasons that I think that Tina is a great play, just generally speaking, especially into a metagame that you maybe don't feel comfortable with any other deck, but it is this metagame agnostic deck where you look yeah. at the matchups and for the most part, they're across the board 50-50. You might have one or two that are, you know, dipping into the 60s or the 40s, but for the most part, you're taking even matchups across the board. And so you don't really care as the Tina player what metagame you're walking into. You should feel confident that you can get the results that you're expecting, especially in this format, especially when Path of the Peak has as much impact as it currently has. This is the best abuser of Path of the Peak. And so you're going to just cheese those games, certainly with the Roxanne Path strategy. But otherwise, your deck is really solid. You got the auto knockout attack. You're doing 280 uh, relatively quickly into the game. So, I mean, it, it's a deck that I see as not having um, many weaknesses. It's certainly not going to, by and large, like blow anyone out of the water. It does really rely on those comeback strategies in most of the games, but it has a very strong comeback strategy and uh, is just one of those decks that doesn't really care about what it's up against. 
and I like that about it. And that's what that's what really sold me on the deck is that the metagame does kind of feel like a toss up at points where you're kind of running the gauntlet and hoping things kind of click just right. And Tina just doesn't care about any of that. You're going to be in the game no matter what you're playing against. Doesn't matter if you're up against Stahl. Doesn't matter if you're up against Maridon. Doesn't matter if you're up against Charizard, Guardi, Mew, whatever. You can beat all those decks. Uh, just play your game, right? And, you know, at the end of the game, there's always Roxanne Path, Countercatcher. You can always do that. And then you can make miracles happen with those with that combination of cards. And I really like that about Tina. Uh, Tina also is just a 280 hit point behemoth can instantly KO anything and has no weakness. Okay. So like, it's just the stats on that card are just absolutely out of this world. So Tina, um, I'm glad it was finally able to, uh, to kind of get its flowers and, uh, and get that win that it is, uh, has really deserved in my mind just because of how powerful the card is. And I really like some things that John did with the list, most notably, uh, cutting to the one copy of Sableye. I mean, Sableye yeah. is a card that kind of is seen as the big bad of the Lost Box decks with the Lost Mine Attack just being able to be spammed. But I think John kind of correctly identifying that you only really need one uh, just maybe to clean up a Lost Impact once <laughs> or to pressure. Yeah, or you might situations. not even need it at all, right? Like you might there's not need it at other all, right? strategies there with the yeah. deck. I mean, maybe you swing into a big Pokemon with a Cramorant and they retreat that to the bench. So then you could clean that up later. Um, it, it has felt like certainly in the Giratina decks, the Sableye, second Sableye hasn't been needed. And there are so many games that I play with the deck where I haven't even used one Sableye. Or if I would have the option to use a Sableye, it doesn't come for you know meaningful damage right like it was damage that would have been better uh you know i could have also just done with the cramorant if i had recycled that or um you know getting an attack off with the giratina v-star so yeah that's that's a really interesting innovation i, I would expect that to continue um especially because we're also not seeing a ton of lost city index you maybe have charizard playing that but you know some people have cut that in favor of another artisan or another stadium so it's it's interesting there too how some of the context of the other decks they're seeing play maybe means that playing only the single sable i wouldn't punish you as much in this format as it might in others the other uh deck that i want to point out in terms of kind of the the interesting lists that people are playing are the maridon decks so i was gonna ask saw... as the maridon regional champion what do you think of uh nick moffitt's list yeah, yeah the maridon god thank you um <laughs> the the lists are, you know, it's interesting to see this kind of swing back away from peony builds into, you know, path builds. Um, Nick Moffat played what I consider to be a very, it's a fine list. It's fine. It's just very busy. There's a lot going on. And again, like no, no fault of Nick's. I mean, I think you're, you're trying to really accommodate for a lot of different uh, things with his list but it's just a very busy list a lot of things going on a lot of things to keep track of and he brought it to a top eight finish so it, it was interesting when the peony maridon really started to come onto the scene I, I was not very high on it because when you're faced against um you know especially when you're against some a path deck then one half of your peony goes to bumping the path and then you have like the single generator or the single battle know, VIP enter, pass. Yeah, battle <laughs> like, VIP pass, that's or whatever it is, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's really hard into a metagame that was dominated by these Giratina decks 
that are playing the heavy paths 3-4 to justify playing the peony build of Maridon. And so I think we're seeing players kind of come to their senses, I would say. I mean, that's that's a little too egregious because I do think that there's merits to peony builds, but not in a metagame that has a quarter of decks really just trying to slam path on you. So I, I do feel like the non-path or the non-peony, you know, research Iono Judge based builds are a little bit better suited to the current format. And, you know, there's certainly things that I love about Nick's list. There are certainly things that have me uh, scratching my head a little bit, but you can't argue with the results. And I think, you know, certainly this type of list is closer to what I would play as opposed to the peony turbo Maridon build. Yeah. Um, yeah. I- uh, I definitely I, I like some ideas or some things where I feel like I it's like I could we should maybe tighten that up a little bit. Uh, feels like maybe we're a little too, you know, too out in the woods. Uh, with some of the like the the stadium split two path two beach. It's like yeah, I'd rather kind of pick an avenue there. I think that's mm-hmm. like kind of my major um, sticking point. Um, I guess like you want to have the options, right? You just want to be able to do everything. But right on, it's not a deck that really draws a ton of cards. Um, you're kind of just playing the cards that are in your hand. Mm-hmm. So it'll be more like I'm playing the path if I see it or I'm playing the beach court if I see it. <laughs> it's, just, yes. it's not like, oh, I have the path for the perfect time. Uh, only playing two, you you might just not. And uh, like, oh, playing the two stadium counters, like I'll use that as my path counter, like, or you yeah. might just not see them. You know, yep. it's uh, yep. it, it very much feels like that. Now, the one kind of, uh, so that, that to me is like a little bit, and like, I understand why they're there. Uh, I do like the idea of a trying to address the Mew matchup with the Spirit Tomb, um, at, because I just think that it's about time we respect Mew. It's only got a month or two left, and it is very evident that people are just going to jam this deck until it rotates. So, like, please, please, if you want to do decent at these tournaments, please do a direct Mew counter. Uh, they will be there. They will infest top 16, as they have been doing. Uh, just, just please put something in your deck to try and directly address them. And I think the spirit tomb is like, fine, maybe it's Drapion uh, is like the better answer at this point, since we've seen the Mew decks just adapt and are now playing fusion energy to deal, <laughs> to deal with a spirit tomb. Uh, but the, the real interesting thing to me is that there's no, uh, no bravery charms and it's just EXP shares. And I've seen EXP shares kind of a carryover from some of the peony builds that I've seen. What are your thoughts on that? It's so interesting because didn't we try this at Worlds? We did. We did. And we didn't like it. Like in the in the week leading up to Worlds. And our thought was, and maybe we are crazy. Maybe we are the crazy ones. Maybe we were onto something with experience share. But we did end up cutting those entirely to play the Bravery Charms. Because the thought was, the experience share, like what if we just kept the energy on the Pokemon that we were attacking with? Be it the Raikou or the Maridon in that case as opposed to trying to recover it after a knockout. So keeping the energy live felt better generally than trying to recover the energy because if you just kept the energy on the Pokemon, then you could retreat it or switch it in some way and then have those energy later for Raichu because it's not like that Pokemon, like it's not like you need to necessarily move the energy around. Like the Raichu can really take advantage of attackers that have taken some damage and are now hiding on the bench. So it felt like you were better off just trying to make your dudes a lot bigger than trying to save some energy from, uh, you know, from, from knockouts. Right. So right, the way how good that... is charm against like Charizard turn one, that's just what you want. Right. Yes. And you 
in 10 times out of 10, you'd rather have the bravery charm to prevent knockout than, uh, than, than pass the energy back. I think, I mean, that's just what I'm thinking. Yeah, I, I think so too. It, it that one feels, I, I would love to get Nick's take on the experience share because we had tried it. And again, we had tried it yeah. heading into worlds and it was a different format, but still same ideas apply where you could, you know, if you have one bravery charm that keeps your Pokemon alive, then you're essentially saving two energy. You know, let's say you're attacking with a Raikou, then you're essentially saving two energy versus having an experience share on the bench and saving one after a knockout. So there's some kind of, at least in my mind, when I'm looking at it, like there's some disconnect to me of having the experience share. And maybe there's some alternate reason that I'm not quite um, aware of that. It was a better play in this case, but yeah, that, that is very puzzling to me. Yeah. And, and I think that it's at least interesting uh, as Flaffy rotates. I do think that EXP share might be a card that we see more of in Maridon decks just to try and nickel and dime those energy throughout the game. I mean, cause every energy really matters when you're trying to, uh, when you're trying to stream attackers in this deck. So without well, that, Flaffy. I, I mean, that might actually be true, right? Cause you think about how we would have to build the Maridon deck and it's maybe like energy sticker experience share focused. Right, because you oh, just yeah. need that energy acceleration, right? So you have to play the high counts of energy, try to hit it off the generators, and then energy sticker experience share. Yeah, it sounds. Azul good had to a me. list, a peony list that played two catchers, I think, and two energy stickers. Yeah, that is something. The stickers are kind of broken, dude. When you yeah, if you hit heads. <laughs> <laughs> so we saw at sixth place, Makani Tron bringing the Arceus deck with Regigigas V-Star. So we've seen a few Arceus variants kind of pop up with their big fella of choice. Uh, Regigigas V-Star. You maybe see the Regidrago V-Star. Any thoughts? I don't know. I, I don't think you really tuned in for the stream, and, and I didn't see any of this deck uh, played on stream either. But any thoughts? Oh, about I got my thoughts. I, I played Arceus. a couple of games. I mean, every deck that did well, pretty much, I'm going to i'm gonna play right yeah. so i mean like i got to get my hands on you know with some of these decks on tcg live and oh i'm an arceus hater through and through i i think that this thing's an absolute pile i think makani is a is a good player who plays a lot of arceus and that's played to his benefit at this event i would not suggest an arceus deck to most players <laughs> <laughs> or myself <laughs> I don't think it's a good call. I think that, you know, uh, he maybe had some some good ideas here. Uh, I just am not the biggest Arceus fan in this format at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's really puzzling. I saw some of these Arceus lists and I'm like, what are... I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm I'm just so far removed or something. I'm just like looking at these archetypes. It's just like not how I would build decks, right? Like I look at Giratina and I'd be like, sure. The West Coast, man. You know, it's I look West, at it's the West Coast, bro. It's something Coast, happens. Bro. Something happens. You know, Coast, everybody bro. goes out to, Weird to over Portland there. and Seattle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Weird over there. They That's drink so kombucha. True. All right, it's it's funky. <laughs> it is. It is very uh, very funky. We uh, got to bring up Azul with his fourth top eight in a row. Crazy. And that's that's absurd. You know, we I had talked in earlier, uh, you know, earlier podcast episodes about like, well, you know, you look at my season so far, it's been really good, arguably one of the better seasons of the year. Just getting 
you know, almost lapped at this point by Azul, which is yep. kind of wild to think. I mean, and it's just wild to think about, you know, of course, all the variance that goes into a game of Pokemon. So to to top eight four times in a row, the win percentage, the win rate is somewhere in the 80 percentile, right? Like you're winning 80 percent of your games and considering how much a deck just naturally cannot set up to win that amount of games. It's just, it, it's just a very unusual streak that, you know, again, should be, should be highlighted and, and celebrated. It, it, it's been a great accomplishment because he's certainly gone through his, you know, low points. You know, you think about some of the times last year where it just nothing was clicking and uh, it, it certainly is for him right now, which is good to see. Yeah. He's having the season of a lifetime right now. I mean, this is like, I think we saw like Jimmy Pendarvis go through, um, you know, kind of an era like this um, during the height of of his play where it was just like he was on fire every tournament mm-hmm. he was going yep. to he was yep. he was in striking distance for a win and now uh, azul is is really channeling that i mean just going through that the man's earned over twenty thousand dollars in pokemon this year from tournament winnings which is uh astounding so <laughs> uh that is pretty good <laughs> gotta say pretty good yeah pretty, pretty good. good pretty good for yeah. coke yeah not yep, bad. not 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 too shabby. So certainly on a on a tear this season and uh representing that Charizard deck. How do you feel like Charizard is poised kind of heading into Charlotte, Knoxville, these upcoming tournaments? I mean Charizard makes me nervous because it's the most popular deck. But I think that Well, it wasn't old. in Portland though. It it actually was the second most popular deck behind Giratina. Giratina had about twenty okay. percent of the meta share. Charizard was hovering, I think, about 16%. So So I guess all right. So it, it, it shifted been, it's shifted slightly. It did used to be, you know, before Portland yeah. it would have been the most popular and now it's second. So it, that made me nervous, right? It made me nervous about the deck because mm-hmm. in my mind Charizard is a counterable strategy. I mean, and even Azul was able to to counter Charizards with his own Charizard list with the Devolution uh TM, mm-hmm. right? Sure. Um and stuff like that makes me nervous just about playing a deck with such a a high meta share. I don't love that um, because of the fact that people can just play you and uh, kind of know the counts in your deck, know exactly what you're working with and make a a very serious game plan against you. Even before they show up to the tournament with their deck, they are planning to beat your deck, right? Because nobody shows up to a tournament not planning to beat decks number one, decks number two. Unlike Tina, I think Tina is a deck that's just kind of like that deck is almost uncounterable. It's just a very solid deck. There's not a really a lot of glaring weaknesses, right? Mm-hmm. It yeah. just is very solid at doing what it does. Mm-hmm. Whereas Charizard does have some glaring weaknesses. The deck barely plays any switch cards. It plays a lot of rare candies. There are, it's reliant on abilities. There's a lot of things that go into making the Charizard deck work. So um, I think Charizard is just like one of the best decks, and obviously it's one of the best decks in the format. I think it's just a huge stat check deck. I mean, you're just doing. A massive amount of damage with a massive dude who hits for the right weakness. What's not to like about that? And its gameplay is, you know, relatively, relatively straightforward. You're you're setting up mm-hmm. Charizards and you're swinging with the same dude the entire game. You got to decide, you know, what to attack now, what to target down with your counter catchers, your bosses, and things like that. But you know, <laughs> and if you're playing Azul's list, you got to navigate six basic fire energy, baby. Which Grant was very much lamenting after the uh, after the tournament run. He said that that is way too little. Azul said it's just fine. Uh, so you have some 
some disagreement some there with yes, yes within the uh within the testing group about that personally i think six is a little nuts but you know if you get away you got with two it, super odd it's fine whatever uh, and prizes is, is like my it, dude if you just i mean if you sure. you could just you're really cruising for a bruise and if if things just are not with you on the prizes with that no, but it's fine it's but it, you know what uh azul's got the results to back it up so that's right that's right Anything else you want to say kind of heading out of Portland for just the meta as you see it? I mean, you're heading to Charlotte, so mm-hmm. I would like to get your thoughts on where you're at in terms of what decks you would play and why. I think that last week we were talking about Roaring Moon a little bit. This week I think Roaring Moon is totally fake. I would not play that deck. Uh, I think that it's just not real. I think if it didn't do well at this event, that it's not Okay, well, I uh, here's another oh here's another counter. It it showed up on the day two graphic. It was the sixth most popular deck in day two. Dude, I'm looking at the top twenty one decks right now, and I don't see a single <laughs> one. Yeah. yeah, it didn't perform uh, particularly well in day two. Of course, we were we were kind of thinking like, hey, this is Roaring Moon's tournament to win. And I did think that, and I did, yeah. and I was like, if if there's a tournament for Roaring Moon to pop. It's this one, but I think just looking at the matchup numbers and looking yeah. at the yeah, it's I don't I don't <laughs> think that there's any really polishing that deck up. I think Maridon, you know, apples to apples, Maridon is in my mind the better of the two big basic turbo decks. Sure, sure. And uh, and so for me personally, uh, I wanna I wanna look into Mew. I wanna look into Guardi. I wanna look into Maridon. Um, and I once I'm not revisiting Rapid Strike Urshfu. Riley did. Shout out to Riley. Had another good run at uh, Portland. Uh, had some. I had a heart crushing final round. He was playing for winning in the top 16 and played against another Mew V Max. He texted me after the tournament and said Mew has cost him so much money these last two events because he has lost both winning ins to top 16 to Mew V Max with the Rapid Strike Urshfu deck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. And you can see how many, I mean, looking at the results, I mean, Mew. Yeah, six in top 16. Six, six. in top 16? That's six. insane. That's it's insane. Crazy. That is like, it's that is really over crazy. a third of top 16. That is like yeah. over over a third of top. Uh, yeah, it that's nuts. So, uh, <laughs> so exactly. So in my mind, Giratina won. That's fine. The deck that I want to beat heading into Charlotte is Mew because I know that nothing is going to dissuade those people from playing that deck. So, so I just, I want to beat Mew. Mew is all over the top <laughs> six of top 16, six of top 16, bro. It is all over the place up there. Uh-huh. So I want to play a deck that I think is going to give me a good shot at making a deep run and can beat the Mew V maxes that I sit across from, because uh, I think that in order to make a top eight, in an event, you're going to have to be able to beat Mew sure. at, at Charlotte. So that's my thought. It seems like Mew is kind of the gatekeep there. Yeah. Tra- oh, so then you're going to play Roaring Moon, right? That's what I'm hearing? I said a deck that beats Mew. I don't know. <laughs> Amongst other things. It's got to have, it has, has, has some other qualifications, right? It's not the only oh, qualification. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I see. I see. Gotcha. Well, there's plenty more to be said about, uh, you know, kind of what our thoughts are as a, as a group heading into these next few tournaments and we'll be bringing that all to you on the next episode of tag team. So we want to say 
Thank you to all the listeners for tuning into this episode. If you can want to find more from us, you can go uh, find us on the X app. That's at Enjoy Friend for Andrew and at Real John Walter for myself. Of course, Riley not with us today, but at Smiles with Riles for him. And the podcast at Tag Team Pokemon. Thank you all so much for listening, and uh, hopefully you have a wonderful remainder of your week and weekend. We'll catch you next time. See ya. Great. Thank See ya. Bye. Yeah, great way to end it. Great way to end it. <laughs> we'll see ya. Everybody have a great week. We'll see you on the next episode. Peace.